Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Dan Janelle, who helps businesses build their brands with books. He's written more than a dozen books, six of which have been translated into other languages. He's also an award-winning daily newspaper reporter and a business newspaper editor, and he's been a publicity and marketing expert, in which case he's helped more than 10,000 authors and experts build their platforms over the last 17 years with his highly regarded PR lead service. Uh, Dan Olds bachelor's and master's degrees in journalism from Northwestern University's famed uh, Middle School of Journalism. And he also helps thought leaders and business executives write their books, either as a ghostwriter or as a book coach. And he helps them take their businesses to the next level and exert greater influence. So welcome, Dan. Thank you, Linda. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Okay, so you've um, one of the things you've told me is that you were considered one of the founding fathers of Internet marketing because you wrote one of the first books on the topic way back in 1993, which is like the dark ages. So what has changed over the last, that's 25 years ago, what's changed over the last 25 years that has made it easier for us as content experts and marketers and authors to write and publish our books? Well, the idea of gatekeepers has really turned upside down. I mean, 25 years ago, if you want to have a book published, you had to go to a New York publisher, you had to go through agents, uh, there was a filtering system, and it was very, very hard to get a book published. Today, everyone can be a publisher, whether they publish their own blogs or their videos or their ebooks and print books. It's a very simple process, and during the next half hour or so, we'll go through a number of those steps. But it's never been easier to get a book published because those New York uh, gatekeepers are just not part of the equation anymore. So that's the good news. The good news is it's easier. Uh, and, the, and the bad news is it's so easy to get things published that everybody's publishing. And then, of course, I talk about how do you stand out from the noise. So one of the things you have to worry about then with everybody publishing is how do you stand out. So you've written this new book called Write Your Book in a Flash. Tell us what inspired you to do that. Is it, can you help us stand out from all those millions of people that are now writing books and publishing blogs and, and getting content out there? Okay, that's a great question. Well, first of all, not everyone is writing a book because they think it's difficult. So okay. all of your competitors are not writing books, uh, but a good number of them are. Uh, and But the thing is, if they aren't, you will stand out because you have a book. You know, when you give people a book, they, it immediately brands you as an authority. It immediately uh, places you above the crowd from everyone else. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, we all went to good schools. We all have advanced degrees. We all work with name brand clients that, are, that everyone knows. So uh, it's, if one of our prospects is looking at all those things on paper, paper, they have you know good college, good clients, good this, good that. What makes you stand out? It very well may be the fact that you've written a book and the other person has not. So that's why you want to get serious about writing a book because uh, there is a big barrier to entry because, you know, it takes discipline. It takes uh, time. It takes energy. And I'm going to show you how to overcome the barriers to those things as well so it's not quite as daunting. But believe me, a lot of people look at their, their screen and they say, I'm going to write a book and uh, – 
<laughs> but 15 minutes later, they're, they're getting an apple, uh, they're doing some push-ups, they're walking <laughs> around the block, they're playing with their cats, but they're not writing a book. In right. fact, when I do my webinars on this topic, the biggest question is, I don't have time to write a book. How can I find the time to do this? I have kids. I have a busy job. I have a commute. I have this. Where can I find the time? Well, if you make a commitment, I guarantee you can write a book in about three months uh, or six months, depending on uh, the topic mm-hmm. and what you do and, and your commitment to it and what you have already created. So we'll talk about that as well here. So, and, and that's what you're, you're telling us when you say write your book in a flash, that you can really get this, this going. What would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that writers make that, that cost them time and money and, and maybe even self-confidence when they're trying to get through this process? The biggest problem is that they write from the seat of the pants. They, they sit mm-hmm. down and they just don't have a plan. It's like everything else in life. You, you have a business plan for your business. You have a to-do list in front of you every day. But when it comes to writing a book, uh, people just jot down a couple of ideas and then they run out of steam and then they don't know what to do and, and they stop. So my big idea uh, is to uh, – really the subhead of my book is you know the paint-by-number system to write your book uh, of your dreams quickly. And I call it that because remember when you were a kid and you had that paint by numbers thing, you were an artist, you know, we're all like, you know, painting with our fingers and painting outside the lines and everything. You know, your mother says it looks wonderful and puts it on the refrigerator, but you know, it's garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Then then around third or fourth grade, my mother gave me this uh, paint by numbers kit. And it was like this beautiful picture of a barn and cows and all that. And all I had to do is say, number three, that's olive green. Number four, that's blue. Number five, that's sky blue. And yep. I just paint and try to stay within the lines. And uh, but when I was all done, I had a really nice looking picture. Exactly. Yeah. So it's the same thing. A book is nothing more than a paint by numbers system where you create your outline, just like you see the outlines of the cows and the barns and the houses and the cars and the pigs yep. and the ducks and the sheep. Well, those are the that that's the structure of your book. You know, your first you have ten chapters basically, or you start with ten. You know, it's a, you can do any number, but ten is a nice number because right. you're a we're 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 a ten base ten system uh, yep. in everything we do. We got ten figures, ten toes. We can divide by ten easily. It, it makes do a decimal easy. system. Yep, absolutely. Got it. Exactly. So the first chapter is what you're going to tell them. It's a roadmap for the book. It uh, it outlines your premise and your thesis. Uh, the next eight chapters. Uh, Produce the the content, the, the the verification for your thesis and your arguments, so that, so people get to know, like, and trust you. And at the last chapter is the one that wraps it all together, tells them what you told them, and tells them what the next step is, which is invariably how they can work with you. Sure. You'll notice. All of this was created with the idea of getting you business. So mm-hmm. the number one mistake that people make is not really the outline, although I, would, I did start with that. The number one mistake is thinking that you're going to sell a million copies of this book uh, when in reality you want to sell copies of this book or give copies of this book to your prospects so you can turn your book into a big business card that opens the door for you to make more money. That's Absolutely. how you turn your book into a marketing machine. Yes. Absolutely, yes. I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, once in a while we hear someone who sells a lot of books, but you're not going to pay your mortgage and you're not going to, you know, feed your kids and to send them to college and whatever, most likely on the profits of, of uh, publishing your book. So why are we doing this? Because we want to be seen as credible and, and we also want to, um, to, you're right, have this wonderful business card that, that falls into your lap and you say, wow, there's an expert on this subject. So now if you're – I want to write a book, let's say, and, and I, I, I know I'm an expert, but 
how do I know that I, what I want to write is what the audience wants to read, and how do I know why they want to read it? How do I kind of figure that out? You should always be talking to your clients uh, and finding out what their biggest pain is because the only reason mm-hmm. they're going to hire you or the only reason they're going to buy a book or read a book is because you are solving a big problem that they have. So chances are when you're talking to your clients, you are uncovering their problems every day. But if for some reason you aren't, and there are people who don't like to talk to their clients, we all are a nation of introverts, so I can deal with that. You know, that is great. Right. But you can ask your clients by email. You can have polls on Facebook or LinkedIn or in your email system, say, what is your biggest problem? You can do research into, uh, on newspapers and trade publications and saying, what are the latest trends? What are the biggest problems showing up in our industry? And those are the kinds of things that people will want to read about. And then you present the information that shows you are an expert in those fields and show the case studies and your solutions so people get to know, like, and trust you. Absolutely. So, so you're saying, you, which makes absolute sense, is you want to find out something, ask your customers, ask your clients, ask your prospects, and kind of fill a hole in the market. If there's 100 books on that topic, maybe that's not the best place to go, but how can you spin that to be different and have something unusual to say? That sure. Makes sense. Let me give you enough. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. Uh, let, me, let, me give, let me give you another idea as well. Go to Amazon and look for the books that compete with yours. Mm-hmm. Look at reviews. And I'm not talking about the five-star reviews because they'll tell you what, what they like. I, I would go to the two- and three-star reviews and find out what they don't like or what they think is missing from those other books. So now you know what book readers uh, in this topic who would buy a book like yours uh, are saying that they want more information about. So that's another way to find information about uh, doing market research. That sounds great. That sounds great. So in ter- before you even get started – what are the things you need to, to be clear about? We obviously need to know who the audience is, and we need to know what it is we want to write about. Are there other things we need to know as well? Yeah, you know, my, my background is in marketing. So mm-hmm. when I look at the book, I say I'm not writing the encyclopedia about this topic. I want to solve someone's problem, but I want to solve that problem that also ties in with uh, the deliverable or the service that I can provide that is, A, the most profitable, B, the most fun, C, the easiest to sell, to the audience that is the most fun to work with, has the biggest budget, and is the easiest to sell to. And that's where the intersection of all that research comes in, because uh, you want that book to bring you the kinds of business that you're going to have fun working with as opposed to something that's really going to be a drudge. You know, one of the biggest curses I ever heard was that, you know, you, know, you get what you wish for and then find out that what you wished for wasn't really what, wasn't you, what wanted. you wanted. <laughs> yep. so, so be sure that, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that the service that, you, that, that the book you're writing about is really promoting the service that you want. I mean, you may want uh, – to, to speak a uh, hundred times a year. So you're, you're writing your book and you say, I want to be on the road. I want to speak. And here's this. And I speak in these lectures and I do this in my conferences and all that stuff. And then you're doing this for a couple of weeks and you say, my God, I don't want to live out of hotel rooms anymore. This sucks. <laughs> uh, Oops. <laughs> yeah. I, I really should have had a book that, uh, that says I, I can do, I can solve your problems from my desktop. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, and if we have, we have to meet, uh, we can meet. Uh, so yeah, be careful what you wish for and uh, then write the book that, that satisfies that need. Great. So I've figured out who my audience is, what I want to write about. I've got my outline. I've got my 10 chapters, the intro, the eight chapters of content, and then the wrap-up. What are the other essential steps to writing this that that kind of make it go quickly and not be such a, a big kind of onerous task? 
Yeah, this, this is where I think uh, part of my brilliance came in because people get stuck at this point. They say they have their, their 10 chapters. They know what they want to say, but they don't have enough words to back it up. It's just mm-hmm. it, it's too thin. There's not enough evidence. So I created an anagram called descriptors, uh, which describe what should be in a chapter. And each letter stands for something else. I don't have that list in front of me right now, so I can't give it an order. But it's basically your case studies, your signature story, examples, interviews with experts. And for the visual people, charts, graphs, mm-hmm. cartoons, uh, line art, and, and other items uh, uh, that, that make the material come alive, quizzes, uh, assessments, all of those things. Uh, you don't need all of them in each chapter, but when you look at that list of, uh, of 10 descriptors that I have, you say, oh, okay, I have a case study about this, and uh, I got some statistics from a research company here that I can plug in here. And then before you know it, your book is writing, writing itself because you're filling in those holes in the outline. You know, you're coloring in the, the sky, you're coloring in that barn, and it's starting to take shape. And uh, also, you'll see what, what's missing. You know, every day you go to your, to your manuscript and you say, well, what do I work on today? And here, here's a little secret. You know, some people think that to start at the beginning and end at the end. That's right. not true. That, that, that's a bad straitjacket to be in because some days you have all the energy in the world and you want to tackle the hard stuff, and some days you got nothing in your tank, <laughs> and you just want to write something easy and just write you know, a quick anecdote or look up for a good quote or a statistic and be done with it, and that's fine. But as long as you spend at least 15 minutes a day working on your manuscript, I, I promise you it will get done because I have done it that way. As little as 15 minutes a day, you can do it. Uh, plus, um, you know, I'll set my timer on my iPhone. And the thing will ding, and if I have uh, some ideas or whatever, I'll just keep on writing. And if I'm done, Mm -hmm. I am done, and I feel a sense of accomplishment, and that's cool. And believe me, if you can't write 15 minutes a day, then you need help. Right. Maybe this isn't the right thing for you, yes. Yeah. Right. Like I have this, I have this spreadsheet that Marshall Goldsmith told me to set up. He said, you know, write your activities. And so I'm like, learn a foreign language, play the guitar, write, mm-hmm. write words, do this, do that. And every day I write, uh, did I do it? Did I not do it? Well, I haven't picked up the guitar in three months. So I'm pretty sure I'm not going to become the next great guitarist. <laughs> but every day, but every day I'm writing a couple hundred words. And some days it's 500 words and some days it's a thousand words, but the book gets done because the book only needs to be about 20,000 words or 25,000 words. That's all that, uh, you know, people have limited attention spans these days. Mm-hmm. So if you want to write a, a book like Good to Great, you, you can do that. It'll take a little bit longer. Those are more than 25,000 words uh, guaranteed. Uh, but you want to be able to give people a book that they can physically hold, that they can say, oh, this doesn't look like it's going to take a lot of time to read. Otherwise, I won't open it. So it's got to be accessible. I like to tell people that they want to write a book that your prospect can pick up when they get on a plane in New York and finish it by the time they get off the plane in Los Angeles. So three to six hours of reading, that's 20,000 words. Make it easy on yourself. Make it easy on your prospect. Because remember, your goal here is to show them that you know the subject so they trust you, they like you, they know you, and they want to do business with you. That's your goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, which it's funny because as an author, it, it took me a little bit to understand this, it doesn't even matter if they read your book. Sometimes people will pick up the book, they'll look at the front and back cover, they'll open it, they'll look at the table of contents, they'll turn to one chapter, look at three pages, and they're done. And then they call you and say, can we talk? And it's not a matter of, well, you have to read the whole book before we talk. The book did exactly what you wanted it to do. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of Exactly. 
Yep. Exactly. Uh, you know, and your book really sits as a silent salesman on, on the yep. bookshelf because no one ever throws out a book. So they may not need your service today, but the book is sitting there with the spine out with your name looking at them every single day for days or months or even years. And when Absolutely. you finally have the, the need to hire you, your name is going to be there because of repetition. So it acts as a silent salesperson to always stay in front of them. So let's talk a little bit about the process. You've written this manuscript. Now we get into the point of editors. And there are a number of different types of editors, and I edit myself, so I know about this. But why don't you tell us kind of about the different types of editors, when they come in, when you need them, how you kind of know what editor to choose? Okay. Uh, I think it's really important to have an editor. And when we think of – most people think of editors like copy editors or proofreaders. And, yeah, they're, they're essential, but they're not the first people you bring in. And I was surprised to, to actually learn this when, when I was doing the research for my book. There's something called a developmental editor. Mm-hmm. And these are really high-level editors that go in and look at your manuscript and say, oh, you're, you're missing this, or you buried the lead, or this really should be higher, or these stories don't flow. They don't prove the point you think it should, or the chapters are, are really out of order. Chapter four needs to be presented before chapter six. And, you know, giving you that high-level view that said, oh, my God, I'm so glad that someone looked at this before I put this out in public because they saved my butt. Um, so I think everyone needs a developmental editor, and I'm actually helping a lot of clients uh, with that right now. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, you know, one client uh, wrote a really good book about communications, but it was all very technical. It was really kind of dry, and I said, hey, can you, put, can you liven this up with a story? He said, well, I'm really a really good storyteller. I said, well, can you tell me about a time when – you, help, you mentored one of your assistants, and, and they started to do good things. And he started to tell this story, and it, it turned out it was a great story, and it went on for six pages, and it turned out that was the introduction to the book because mm. it presented him as a warm, friendly, caring person. It showed how this, per- this other person matured under him. It really set the book up for success. And you know, he, could not, he was convinced he could not tell a story. But when I uh, pushed him gently and challenged him, he told a great story, and it really set the tone for the book. So that's what a developmental editor can do for you. Um, after that, then you go to the copy editor stage where they clean up you know, your typos and, uh, and your consistency. So you know, uh, they make sure that uh, everything looks right and is presented properly. And then finally, there's a line item where – line editor, rather – where, where they really are the nitpickers and make sure that everything conforms to style and all the type, all, all the periods in the right place. And they're not followed by two spaces but one, and right, know, all the right. spacing is properly, and things flow naturally from page to page. You know, there's a little bit more than that. But, you know, um, so you really need to, the, those three levels of editors to make your book really come alive and protect yourself. And, you know, it's like having your third-grade teacher look over it and say, you know, you really could do better. <laughs> and, and, you know, you really could. So yep. everyone should have a developmental editor. In fact, after I looked at my book, after it was printed, I said, you know, I wish I had a developmental editor uh, because I really didn't talk about ebooks as much as I should have. You know, it would have been two paragraphs in one chapter. That was it. And it would have yep. solved, you know, I won't say it solved the problem, but it would be like, you know, I really should have addressed it because people are going to ask about that. And I wish, I wish I had someone who kicked my butt and said, you know, what about this for ebooks? And aha, you're right. So yep. everyone and that can, always can happens. But here's what you can do: is you can create kind of a, a bonus material and put that on your website, and say, "Here's yeah, some bonus it's... material if you're interested in the book," and you can kind of exactly. say, "Here's something about eBooks." Exactly. Yep. 
Exactly. And having, and, I'll and tell you, having written books and I've edited, I've been the developmental editor, I've been the ghostwriter, I've been the copy editor, um, I can tell you one thing that's for sure is you cannot edit your own work. You just can't do it because you're sure. too close to it. Yeah. So no matter yeah, how good you are as an editor, you need someone else to look at it with new eyes and, and do that. So speaking of which, let's talk about ghostwriters because I'm not sure people understand the difference between a developmental editor and a ghostwriter. Oh, so oh, there's a big, 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 big difference. Uh, the developmental editors, uh, you, you are primarily the, the writer, and they are coming in and looking over your shoulder right. and, and giving you ideas on how to make things better. They don't actually rewrite ch- chapters for you or write new material for you. you know, they might write a sentence here. They might say, how about if we write it this way instead of that way? But they're not uh, going deep into your mind and finding new information. Uh, I mean, they may brainstorm with you, of course, um, but uh, the, 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 they're taking what you have and they're polishing it up. They're, 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 that's their main function. Uh, a ghostwriter, their job is to really pull the story out of your head. And mm-hmm. they may look at uh, material you've already written, like your speeches, your PowerPoints, your blogs, your articles, uh, other intellectual property that you've created, and, and turn that into a book. They may also interview you and flesh out ideas and other things and get fresh quotes. They may also do original research from other people and put that into the book as well. That's what a ghostwriter does. Uh, you, you might actually dictate the book to the ghostwriter and they may polish it up. Uh, you co- it's a collaboration where you and the ghostwriter are really working pretty much hand-in-hand hand to, to a good degree. So there's a big difference between ghostwriting and developmental editing. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm ghostwriting a book now. It's a, uh, a business fable for a doctor who's writing about the pros and cons of telemedicine. And mm-hmm. he's giving me the, the straight frequently asked question file, basically, about what is telemedicine, what's good about it, what are the problems with it, or what are the potential problems with it, and what do you need to do to protect yourself. And, you know, if I just wrote that book, it would be it okay would be you can go – it would be boring. In fact, yep. frankly, we went, we went online to do research, and I found a frequently asked question that had everything you wanted to know in 18 pages. It was like a white paper. like, okay, what are we going to do to make this interesting? So I turned it into a, a business fable story. I invented a character. She had problems. She had to overcome mm-hmm. these problems. She found a mentor who taught her, who gave her advice, who, who, who put her into situations where she learned and developed and whatever. It's actually, you know, uh, it could, it could be a Robin Cook kind of novel if mm-hmm. you really developed it. <laughs> but again, and so I, th- I think what's important about a ghostwriter is yeah. sometimes we have people who think, oh, God, I'm not really a writer. I don't have the patience for it. I couldn't even write those 15 minutes a day, uh, you know, and I, I want to tell a story, but I can't. And that's when you bring in the ghostwriter because if you've got the material in your head, the ghostwriter can help you with that. And we've all read books that said they were written by someone, a celebrity or someone who is an expert in the field, and you open the book and you say, wow, I didn't know people who were investment bankers or actors or whatever could write this well, and very often they can't because it's, it's a ghostwriter who's done this behind them, and yet it's a very successful collaboration. Yeah. Yes, and that, that is the biggest secret in the National Speakers Association and probably other groups as well, that all these best-selling books or books that are written by, by, are really written by, by ghostwriters. Mm-hmm. Sometimes their names are on the cover and sometimes they are Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're thanked in the back and sometimes yeah. they're never mentioned. Yep. And that's all a contractual kind of thing, and and that's cool. Um, But the key is, you know, there are people who are listening to this who make so much money per hour. I mean, they may be good writers, but it's not worth their time to sit down and write a book. Or if you don't like it. I mean, some people just don't like sitting and writing, yeah. 
Exactly, and it does take a certain number of hours to do. So if your yep. time is better spent collaborating, that's fine. Uh, Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One-Minute Manager and 65 other books, uh, wrote all of his books with collaborators, and he told me that uh, he enjoys collaborating because he learns from his collaborator. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, Exactly. So uh, someone like Ken Blanchard could be humble enough to say that, then I'm sure everyone on this call can be equally humble because uh, I certainly learn from other people as well. Absolutely. And that makes us all stronger and better and more powerful. More so, Dan, tell us about book coaches because I think that's where it gets confusing. And I think there's probably a variety or a spectrum of, of book coaching. But in your mind, what is a book coach and what do they do? Where do they add value? That's a great question because sometimes I, 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 it's hard to see where the line is drawn between book coaching and developmental editing. And I'm sure that every book coach does a little bit of developmental editing and vice versa. So it's kind of you know, loosey-goosey in there. But to, to, to go to a definition, a, a book coach like a regular coach is someone who's there to be your cheerleader, someone to hold you accountable. Someone, if people need accountability. Some people need that deadline. Uh, if you get stuck, coaches have – uh, tools and techniques and uh, quizzes and assessments and tools that can help you get over that, that hump. Um, so so they, they basically act as a cheerleader for you, but they're not going to wordsmith the, the book the way a developmental editor would or, uh, or take your ideas to the next level the way a developmental editor would. They're basically there to help you get the book out of you when you get stuck. They're there with lots of ideas to help you get unstuck. If you're talking yourself out, you get depressed, which is a normal part of, of life. Um, they're there. They have the skills and tools to help you get, get through that dip. That sounds great. Yeah, and, I've, I, and again, I, I've worked with a book coach when I was uh, doing my own book, and I've worked as a book coach for other folks as well. And sometimes you just need someone there. It's just like the coach, you know, did you run your, your sprints today? Did you do your, you know, your sit-ups and your push-ups and whatever? You need someone to just make sure that you're there and, and, and doing all the right exercises to kind of move you along. So that's great. So, Dan, this is fascinating. We could talk all day about this, but if you could just kind of give us one piece of advice, if you have a book inside you and you haven't taken any first steps yet, and I know it just seems kind of overwhelming sometimes, like, oh, my God, it's an entire book. Where do I start? What is that advice you would give to someone like that just to get going? Well, I would say that they should look at the books in their genre and I, I've studied a lot of books, and, and I've noticed that there are five different kinds of books for thought leaders in particular. And we can go from the top to the bottom. And the bottom, they all have credibility. So when I really say bottom, I mean the easiest to write, hardest right. to write. The hardest to write would be the true book that you think of being a thought leader, you know, the good to great kind of books, you know, the books that have uh, original research and yep. lots of case studies and analysis and such. You know, those are great books. Those are going to position you as a thought leader. They'll be, they could very well be on a bestseller list, uh, and uh, they will propel you to five- and six-figure uh, speaking engagements and such like that. And, and that's great, but they take a lot of time and energy, and that's fine. Um, then I, then I call a, a book, like a level four book, a little bit lower than that. And this is the 200-page version, or rather the 20,000-word mm -hmm. version of that. So there, there are, there's some original research. Uh, there's some case studies. Uh, but, it, but it's immensely readable. Uh, the third – and again, that takes time and effort too, but it's well within the scope of, of most people. The third level is where you take all of your 
blogs and previous material that you've written, and you cobble them together, and you put them into a book format. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as it solves people's problems and positions you as an expert, you are giving value, and that's fine. So here you're really repurposing what you're doing. Um, the next level down are your quotes. Uh, yes, you know you can take your <laughs> quotes and your tweets and your smart sayings and stuff. People have done this. People yep, really have done it. I've seen this. it. Um, and, and, yeah, and you, at first you think, oh, that's kind of light and easy and bright. Uh, uh, who would look, look at this? But I have seen some brilliant books <laughs> that you can learn a lot just by, by yep. you know, less is more sometimes. And these you could literally put together in a weekend. It, sure. It, it's really, really good. Um, and then finally there are like the, the quotes from other people kind of books, you know, thought leaders in your field. And yep. then you're presenting an overview. So it really is very, very easy. And, yeah, you are positioned as the expert because you created this this volume. You're the editor of this information, and your brand, and you're basking in the glow of these other people's works. And all this is public domain works. I mean, it could be a, a quote from Peter Drucker, a quote from uh, Marshall Goldsmith, or right. all these what you know, things that are out there in the public domain. Um, and they'd be thrilled to have you quote them because it's good PR for them too. Uh, and of course, you'd cite them and their work and uh, uh, all all that good stuff. So all of you. So th- those are the easiest things to do. But still, it gets your name out there. It's a it's a big business card that you can give to other people that they would appreciate. It puts your name in front of them. It builds your brand and it does all those things that uh, help people get to know, like, and trust you. So they want to work with you. Excellent. That's great. So start by figuring out, look at the books, figure out what book you want to write, and then go buy your book, which reminds us we're sitting here with Dan Janelle, um, who has written a book called Write Your Book in a Flash. And, Dan, uh, where can people find out more information about you and your book? Well, uh, thank you. I believe in branding. So the book is called Write Your Book in a Flash. The website is called writeyourbookinaflash.com. My okay. Facebook group for people who want to write a book is Write Your Book in a Flash on Facebook. So <laughs> as long as you remember one thing, you can go to all of those things. Also, if you go to my website, you can download a free report. It's actually one of the chapters in my book that teach you how to overcome the limiting beliefs that all these uh, would-be authors find themselves prey to. These are all the problems, all the questions that people who come to my seminar say. So I don't have time to write. I don't feel uh, comfortable as a writer. I don't, I don't have good grammar. So I have answers for all those questions that will help you get over that hump so you can start to write the book that will help to change your life. That's fantastic. Thank you. Again, we've been here with Dan Janelle. And Dan is the author of Write Your Book in a Flash. Uh, and he's written a number of books, and he's helped uh, thousands of people get PR for their businesses. So uh, definitely this is an area that he is, is an expert in and is, um, is able to help you. So, Dan, thank you so much for being here with us today. Great. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a real pleasure, Linda. Thanks. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.